I've introduced legislation that begins to address how private companies and the algorithms that they use impact the freedom of expression that people should be guaranteed under our First Amendment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative. Today, Senator Bo Watson joins me to talk about social media censorship in Tennessee, its impact on Republican candidates, and how it's negatively shaping our culture. Senator Watson has introduced legislation to deal with this very issue. Watson is the chair of the Finance, Ways, and Means Committee, along with the Rules Committee. He also serves as a member of the Commerce and Labor, Health, and Welfare, and Joint Fiscal Review Committee. In the past, Bo has served as Speaker Pro Tem of the Senate. Uh, he has served on boards at Baylor School, uh, Wesley Center at UTC, and the American Cancer Society and Relay for Life. Uh, Watson is a physical therapist. Uh, at the Park Ridge Medical Center, he received his BA in biology, magna cum laude, at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, and also attended the University of Tennessee Center for Health Sciences in Memphis. He received his degree in physical therapy there. On a side note, I've known Bo for somewhere between 15 and 20 years. I've, I, my memory's not good enough to know, and it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, warm welcomes, sir. Thank you, Brandon. It's great to be here. Thanks for uh taking some time to talk about, you know, obviously an important issue, particularly amongst the conservative community. Well, right now, and you've teed it up, Republicans are being heavily censored on social media platforms. Members of Congress have been deplatformed and even our likely uh, love it or, or hate it 2024 presidential nominee uh, has been deplatformed. Uh, conservative thought news and even jokes are censored. Sometimes we'll post jokes. I'm like, who fact checks a joke? Yeah. People get shadow banned. Uh, and social media access is important, if not more important, than direct mail, radio, or television uh, in elections. And so in the end, deplatforming conservative candidates and thought has the practical effect of election interference. So, Bo, what do you think about all this? And did you ever think we would be battling censorship uh, as a real issue in the USA, given our strong history of freedom of speech? Yeah, well, the short answer to your question is no. Uh, I mean, we, uh, for any any country that's ever existed in the world, there's never been another country that has embraced uh, the freedom of expression, uh, freedom of speech, uh, the First Amendment right uh, more than, than America. As a matter of fact, you know, from our founding, we came back and, and put this into the original constitution because uh, Jefferson and others thought that the first version of the constitution wasn't strong enough around this, that we needed to be sure that citizens had a right to express themselves. And of course, over time, the way we expressed ourselves has evolved and changed, you know, from the printing press to uh, now the telephone and now and movie. And now you have the Internet uh, technology that is creating yet another venue of where people can express themselves. And government and private enterprise have to be very careful about uh, who uh, they choose to censor. As a matter of fact, we would argue that the modern technology should allow for much more freedom of expression than the private companies are allowing. And so we are, we've, I've introduced legislation that begins to address how private companies and the algorithms that they use impact the freedom of expression that people should be guaranteed under our First Amendment. Well, tell us about that legislation that you're proposing. I've had a chance to look at it, but I'd like for you to put it in your own words. 
Uh, what does it do, and how do you think it will uh, stand up underneath the inevitable legal challenge as soon as that puppy is uh, drafted? Actually, probably as we're speaking, uh, <laughs> corporate lawyers are probably gathering together in some room, and Zuckerberg's throwing you know billions of dollars at them uh, because you know Tennessee is going to try to do something that that may actually work. So, talk about the legislation, what it does, and and how do you think it'll hold up in the courts? Well, a little backdrop. Uh, so other states have, you know, I think you and I have talked and, and, you know, Florida had, had a, a version of this that was immediately, you know, um, stopped by the courts. Um, we are taking an approach, actually, I'm, I'm mimicking the advice that, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, one of my favorite conservative justices, uh, issued in an opinion that he offered, uh, that was published in 2021, um, the opinion was a concurring opinion, but he begins to, to address this very problem that we were talking about. So I'm trying to take what he recommends and apply it to state law. So if take just a second, Thomas said in his opinion, and I'll quote, he said, we will soon have no choice but to address how our legal doctrines apply to highly concentrated, privately owned, information infrastructure such as digital platforms. So Thomas sets out in his concurrence that look, what we've been used to doing and how we've been used to monitoring this doesn't really fit with this new platform. And we are going to have to examine how can we regulate if we need to regulate these platforms. And the approach that he suggests that we take is a common carrier approach. A common carrier approach would be like the telephone company, right? So the telephone company is privately owned, but it is regulated by the government because so much of the information that travels back and forth across the telephone impinges upon our First Amendment right of expression. So the telephone company can't stop you from saying what you want to say on the telephone because they are a common carrier. They're ubiquitous in our society. They're both used by government and the private. And so it's important that they be uh, have government regulation or monitoring them so that they don't infringe upon the, the rights of the individual citizens. So we're taking Thomas's idea around a common carrier and we put it into Tennessee statute, which says basically a platform if they are going to operate, if their users are going to operate in the state of Tennessee, which obviously they are, platforms would be, you know, Twitter, Facebook, those things. And they're of such size that they are basically a monopoly in the market. Then they would have to uh, apply for a certificate of operation with the Tennessee Public Utilities. Uh, and the public utilities would then have responsibility for oversight of the platform and the ability to hear appeals by users who feel like they have been treated unfairly, deplatformed, whatever the situation might be. So it sets up a process by which, like with the phone company or other common carriers, citizens have a way of addressing the limitations that may be unfairly applied to them by these platforms. Go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and hit that red support button. When you do that, we will send you a proud Tennessee conservative bumper sticker. Also, we will send you a Don't California My Tennessee bumper sticker, a directory of your state uh, officials in the House and the Senate, that puppy right there. And if you should give $50 or more, you will get this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. Well, hopefully this thing passes because I will probably have to be the first one to apply after posting this video.
So uh, we we will see. We we may not. We may we may be just an e newsletter here before long. Uh, so for our subscribers who want to support or advocate for this legislation, uh, where is it going? Uh, who's going to hear it? What would you recommend they do? Right. Great question. So I know most folks don't keep up with how the Tennessee General Assembly operates. They're too busy, particularly folks who pay attention to your show. They're too busy making their own lives and making their own living. Um, the bill, uh, as it's presented, there's obviously a House version. Dennis Powers has that version in the House, and there is a Senate version that I have. The House has an extra layer of committees that, that we don't have. And so Representative Powers was going to start the bill before I start my version of the bill. Okay, They're the same bill, but they're, they're in two separate chambers so people don't get confused. What your listeners can do is engage with their local uh, senator, or their local House Representatives member, and encourage them to be supportive of this legislation. I think, obviously, the more support we have with any legislation, the better chances it has of, of success and passage and then signature by the governor. And then, of course, if there's a lot of, of, of interest in it, it will obviously create some buzz in the uh, social media world where I think we need to be. And I think Thomas is challenging us in his concurring opinion, is challenging us to really start talking about this and, and testing our old doctrines of how we address free speech with these new platforms and looking for ways to make sure that your First Amendment rights and my First Amendment rights are protected from private industry and censorship. Well, I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, I, I can just remember, I don't know, I, I think most people, you have to be a little odd or strange to care about state and local politics. It's a very small universe of people that keep up. Everybody else is just, you know, fixated on the national drama because we know the characters and we know the plot up in D.C. But I remember being in, uh, in Alabama uh, history class. And then we, you know, studied the founding of the nation. And I was just, I always thought it was so interesting that our founders enshrined that free speech. And we've watched free speech get wiped away, uh, really at the hands of corporations and in some pretty onerous governments and places. I never thought we would see it, like Australia and Canada. And we've seen it even here in the last ten years, twenty years in the United States. So I hope that this thing gains traction, and we'll recommend that our readers uh, do get engaged there. Are there any other bills? Uh, or any other issues that that you're uh, that you're advocating for that you'd like to share with us today, that unrelated to this item. Well, you know, Brandon, you and I, uh, uh, we both share a, a love for state government, and obviously, the most important bill I ever get to deal with up here is the is the budget that the governor brings to the legislature. Um, you know, obviously, we have seen it. You know, as both of us being really conservative people, uh, and Tennessee being a very conservative state when it comes to our financials. Uh, we have just seen a deluge of this federal money. I mean, it is just astounding of how we are trying to manage through this. And we're trying to, you know, build our financial system here in Tennessee to where when all this goes away and whatever happens in the aftermath of all this, Tennessee's in a good position to weather the storm because there's going to be something later from you know, recession or whatever it might be from all of this federal money that we, we've borrowed from people coming into the to, to the states, but we have to deal with it. So, you know, I'm spending a lot of my time right now uh, working with the administration, with the House, as we try to figure out what are the priorities for the state, what are the priorities for this federal funding, and how do we use it wisely, use it for 
uh, in the best interest of the state, uh, but yet at the same time be preparing ourselves for whatever reckoning comes from all of this out of control spending uh, that that we're seeing. Um, it's I, I think you're anybody that's of a conservative mindset, you know, is going to be should be worried about where we are financially as a country. Yeah, what is it they said? Uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was uh, Milton Friedman said uh, inflation is taxation that Congress never has to pass. Something to that effect. Right. And when you when you give people money and there's no service created and there's no product created, it just devalues the currency across the board. And people don't understand that. Oh, you should. I mean, like I remember basic economics. They used to teach it in high school. And that's another class. I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is how money works. And, and there are there are rules, just like there's gravity, just like there's, uh, you know, uh, aerodynamics. And there are economic rules that have played out again and again because we are human creatures that are rather predictable. And uh, I'm with you. It is it just scares the crap out of me uh, how how governments mismanage money, money and, you know, every state and local government is going to do it bad enough, but the federal government, like, you know, just makes, makes Tennessee and local governments look like rank amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a drunken a sailor's party every night. Yeah, it, it is. But I, I think we are trying, I, I tell you what we are trying to do, uh, Brandon, and I think your conservative uh, listeners will agree with this to in large measure. We are, if we're going to spend it, we're trying to invest in assets that will have a, a, a long life. For example, uh, we are going to be putting some uh, general fund dollars into roads and bridges this year. General fund dollars means, you know, normal kind of tax dollars, federal dollars that come in. We normally don't do that. You know, we're a pay-as-you-go state. We pay with our gas fee and other things. That's how we pay for our transportation system. But we have so much money coming in, we have an opportunity to make some investments in these really hard assets that will serve this generation and really generations to come. And so if we, if we have to figure out a way to, to utilize this money, we're trying to put it into to things that we think have lasting investment value to the, to the citizens of Tennessee. So that you and you and my grandchildren who are paying for all this, right? They just don't know it yet. Uh, they will at least have that asset 25 or 30 years from now. So they at least get something for what they've paid for. Well, that's good. Uh, the biggest thing that I see, uh, and I hope that Tennessee doesn't do any of this, and you see this at the local and state level, often is you know, this federal money comes in and they like bribe them to put into some kind of program or build something. It could be it, it could be infrastructure that has like this long term expense, and then the federal money recedes, and then the state and local government is now responsible for this monstrosity that has been birthed from this temporary federal money. So I'm glad to see that, you know, that Tennessee is, is like, okay, this, this is one shot deal. Let's do some things with it, but let's not, let's not, uh, you know, end up with something that once the capital expenditure is done, there's this massive ongoing expense that now we're on the hook for anything else that you want to close out with Bo, before we wrap up. And I appreciate you uh, coming on here to talk about this very important issue. Yeah, no, thanks, Brandon. And, you know, you're a, you're, I consider you to be a good friend, and I really appreciate you, you know, allowing me time on your show. Uh, you know, there are a lot of issues that come before the General Assembly that we have to, to wrestle with, um, and there's not one that rises. Since I get, I get mired in the financial stuff because, you know, it is, 
as you know, it is the one piece of legislation that we have to pass. Our constitution requires us to pass the budget. So I get mired in a lot of that, even though I serve on the Commerce Committee and I serve on the Health Committee as well. Um, I spend so much of my time just deep and down into in the financials and how we're going to fund this or not fund that and what reductions that we're going to make. This uh, social media bill is, you know, my number one uh, piece of legislation this year. So I'm spending most of my time working on it. We do have, you know, the, the governor is will be presenting next week a new funding formula for K-12 education. I would encourage you and your listeners to pay attention to what we're doing there. That will start to take a lot of oxygen out of the room. Uh, and because it is, you know, we spend most of our state dollars on K-12 education and love it or hate it, we've got to figure out a way to, to fund it appropriately and make sure we get a, a, a good product. We haven't been getting that. We want to try and get a good product for what we put our money into. So there'll be a lot of discussion around that. And that links back to the budget. So between social media, the education funding bill, and just the general budget, my time's pretty much done. <laughs> I bet you are I bet you're as busy as you can be. Well, I appreciate uh, uh, your work on that. And I appreciate you so much that I will not drag you off into a school choice uh, uh conversation that's how much i like you though well uh, you're, so. you're, you're good you're good but you know i mean we have a good record in tennessee of promoting uh, school choice and you know i'm a school choice person i think that you know the government should be uh, concerned that you get a good education not necessarily where you get that education and i think we are trying to create pathways for people in tennessee we have over the past 10 years we've run, done a lot around charter schools and other kind of options there's still a lot of road uh, in front of us on that but i think we're you know we're making progress the school funding piece people try to link those two together they're not necessarily linked but obviously it creates opportunity in the in the future to have a, a, a even more robust a discussion around school choice. Last thing, in case you're at CPAC, uh, I am one of the legislators that uh, from the state of Tennessee that has been invited to CPAC this weekend because of my, I have a pretty strong uh, conservative voting record and they're giving uh, awards to uh, members who have a, a really strong um, uh, conservative voting record. So I'm hoping that uh, I don't get tangled up here and can't get down there, but I'm scheduled to be in Orlando, I think it is next week for the CPAC meeting. So I'm looking forward to that. And I probably will try and pick some brains about other from other members who may be other states who may be looking at the same social platform kind of legislation. Well, if you do, uh, if you do any conversations down there, if you have any video, pictures, press releases, et cetera, if you send it to us, we'll put it in our newsletter. We can continue right. to grow. Um, you know, just reaching all those state and local government nerds. We're out there. We're out there. We're, we 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 find and we've got more than we ever have because they realized over the last two years, if you don't live in a conservative state and if you don't pay attention, you you may be locked inside your house forever. And so yeah. <laughs> it's pretty important yeah. that we get it right at the state level because the nation's gone crazy. Uh, Senator Bo Watson, thank you so much for your time here today, and uh, I'll look forward to that CPAC update. You got it. Thank you, Brandon. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this program. If you want more stories and interviews like this, please go to uh, TennesseeConservativeNews.com or subscribe to our, our podcast online. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lewis signing off.